wanted to see Tomorrowland, here it comes. You guys guess what today's movie is? We are, uh, oh, you will find out soon enough, my friends. You will find out soon enough. Actually, uh, if you are new with us, I'm thanking you for being here today. And you may be like, I just, I don't know what I walked into. Popcorn, Coke, movies on the screen. Uh, This is a little bit different for me. And we are not meeting in a movie theater. We are meeting right here. But I want to tell you about what we're doing. Uh, This is our actual fourth annual at the movies. Uh, we do a time where we take a look at the summer's biggest blockbusters. We find the message in the movies because if you really think about it, if you think about all the things that human beings come up with in the stories, aren't they all found in the Gospels? Aren't they all found throughout Scriptures? Rebellion, salvation, redemption, all the things that are, that are on the big screen are found in the Word. And the reason for that is because God has weaved His story in us. He has made his story and made us a part of it. And as we experience that, we get it in creative ways through art. And one of those art forms is music. And one of them is movies. And as we look at the movies and we see the things there, we can praise God and we can find messages in that. You know, I want you to understand that as we get into Tomorrowland and as we look at each movie along the way as we do this, I'm not here to spoil a movie for you. I'm not going to give you all the ins and outs and the plots and all the things so you don't get to see it or or you are disappointed when you finally do get to see it. But what I do want to do is I want to find some of the messages that are there. And went and saw Tomorrowland, and when I saw it, I was kind of in an area where I didn't know what to expect, because I went to Disneyland a lot when I was a kid. I got to go pretty often. We lived in Phoenix, so we weren't too far away from it, and we got to go. And Tomorrowland was, was a section of Disneyland. It wasn't a movie. It wasn't even a, a ride in particular. It was a bunch of rides. And when I heard they were making a Tomorrowland movie, I said, how in the world are they going to put all of that away? And the funny thing is, when I went to Disneyland when I was a kid, there was two things that I always wanted to go to. One was also a movie. And that was the very first ride that I ever went on, the very first ride any of my kids have ever gone on, Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean, before it was a movie, before it was anything big, it was just the most amazing, dark, weird, creepy last thing that Walt Disney actually had his hands in creating as a ride before he died, Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, you'll see I also have some boxes of candy up here. Part of the other weirdness that we do is I've always passed out movie theater boxes because we're doing movies, so why wouldn't you do that, right? Right? So what we need to do is we need to give some of these away. So I need to ask a few questions throughout my message, and this kind of keeps you interactive, and that way you have a chance. And is it weird to anybody else you hear the rustling of bags and chomping of popcorn while I'm talking? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm not the only one going, oh, that's cool and weird all at the same time. Um, here's, here's my first question for you. Pirates of the Caribbean, like I said, is my favorite ride. Those of you who were here last night do not get to answer, Ryan. Sorry. Um, uh, And and Camden, I know Camden's already chomping at the bit because he wanted these and he didn't get it last night. But what land? There are many different lands that make up Disneyland. You have Frontierland, you have Fantasyland, you have Tomorrowland, you have Adventureland. There's all different lands that make it up. My question for you this morning is, is what land does Pirates of the Caribbean fall in? Chris, your first one. It is New Orleans Square. I will give you that because it's not the land but that was, that's actually even more precise than the land. The land is actually adventure land, and they, they kind of fall in together. But you're exactly right. Which box would you like? Reese's, Milk Duds, Whoppers, or Sour Patch Kids? The Whoppers. This is the biggest box, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Here you go. All right, I got a couple more questions to shoot out at you here. And what it is, is because I also love Tomorrowland. Now, when I went to Tomorrowland when I was a kid, it was a little different than it is today. They used to have the rocket ships up on the very top, so they were actually scary. Um, and, and not down here on the ground. I loved Space Mountain. I loved going in and being a part of, of the, uh, the Autotopia. When I was a little kid, I finally got to drive my own car. It's kind of a, a fun thing. And I actually was looking at pictures of Tomorrowland from the 60s. And before uh, I was alive, they didn't have tracks that kunk, kunk, back and forth. You guys know what I'm talking about? If you ever been there and you rode with your kid driving, you're like, just try, just, just, if you could just, you know, you're like, hey, I'm going to drive. You know, switch places. Okay, that's just the way it's going to work. But as you went, there was no tracks. I'm like, how amazing would have that been? Now, there's also the Nautilus, and uh, it was 20,000 leagues under the sea. Now it's Finding Nemo, something or other. But there was two things that I really, really liked as a kid. One was this giant building that you sat down in this kind of a, a people mover thing, and it went around. And as it went around, you saw all of the future innovations that are about to happen. Now, this is a tough question. This one's a little bit more difficult. What was that ride called? Does anybody remember? It is the Carousel of Progress. My goodness, I can't even believe it. The funny thing is, is that it was gone before you were ever born. Um, But uh, Sour Patch, Milk Dodge, Reese's. Sour Patch, here you go. I would throw them, but it's just way too dangerous. So I will pass them. There you go, thank you. All right, and then there was one other thing that I just absolutely loved. There There was a video uh, uh, an interactive kind of video screen that kind of took place, and it was like a movie that you walked into, and it became Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. But before it was Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, it was a Michael Jackson kind of giant music video. Anybody remember what that was called? You're not allowed to do You already got candy, but your mom can do it. Captain EO is correct. Captain EO is correct. Would you like Milk Duds or Reese's? Milk Duds, all right. That's good, because I like the Reese's, so those will be for me. Oh. Actually, I think I can, give, I can give those away here in a minute, too. So you're going to have to just keep paying attention as we talk. I loved Tomorrowland. Just all the things that they had and getting to experience. I mean, when you went into that Captain EO or Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, they had not just 3D, but it was like 4 and 5D where the seats would rumble and they would blow like little air on the back of your legs and it made you feel like there was mice running by and you were just kind of freaked out by, you know, everybody was screaming. It was just so much fun to see technology taking place. And even in that carousel of progress, I remember going through it going, wow. And it was sponsored by GE, so everything was appliances. But uh, as, you went, as you went through and you saw all the digital things that were going to take place and you saw all the things, you thought to yourself, how are we ever going to get there? How are we ever going to get to that place? Because as the carousel of progress, it actually switched to America the Beautiful, and then they switched it back to something similar to carousel of progress, and the Honda sponsored it, so they had all these really cool, innovative cars and robots and all kinds of stuff. And you thought, you know, how are we ever going to get to that place? When I was in the 80s, living in the 80s, you didn't think that what we see today was going to happen. The question was, is how were we going to get there? And how are we getting there? When it comes to the future, so many things are mentioned in the movie about the future that I could talk about, but there's one thing that really stood out to me. And as I saw the movie, I thought, this is it. How do we get to the future? How do we change the future? And they said this, in order to change the future, you have to start today. In order to change the future, you have to start today. I I don't think there's any truer words that are spoken, because in order to make the future happen, you you have to, to be working right now on it. 
Because the future really is now. Every decision we make can easily impact our lives for the rest of our lives or our friends' lives or our family's lives. Every decision that we make. If we have a goal for the future or goals for the future, it's not like you just get to the future and you say, all right, we're good. I'm going to be able to do that. I'm not sure about you. Uh, this Monday night, we, we uh, happened to be flipping around the channels and saw American Ninja Warrior was on. I'm not sure if you've seen the American Ninja Warrior competition, but it is insane. It is crazy what they do. They're jumping off of things and holding their body up in ways that I could never even dream or imagine to be able to do. But as I was watching them do it, and and the kids we sat and watched were like, oh, that's so awesome. And they're jumping from rings and hanging from posts and climbing up things with upper body strength and doing things with their legs. You're like, how is that even possible? But my guess is, is that while this show was being taped in, in Kansas City and everything was going on there, somebody didn't just walk up and go, you know what, that looks like fun. I think I'm gonna give that a shot. No, it was a, a time and progress and, and real preparation. As a matter of fact, throughout the show, they would take you to, to places where these guys were running up walls and, and trying to grab on the top, pull themselves up, or doing these ring climbs up these huge poles. And you're like, wow, that is a lot of work and a lot of time. These guys are taking nine, ten hours a day to prepare to be the American Ninja Warrior. And I'm like, what do we do? How do we plan for the future? What are we going? Are we just expecting something to fall into place? See, it all happens as we plan for the future. It all seems to go. And things are changing so rapidly. Things are changing so rapidly. It's funny. We just did our uh, high school kids and the graduation, and we honored them, and we had an opportunity to, be able to say congratulations to them. But there's a, there's a college that, that does a report every year that talks about what happened during the lives of, of a, a high school kid when he graduates from the time that they're born and then, and the things they've experienced over that. Do you realize all the kids that graduated this year have never experienced life without the internet? I know, kind of makes you go, man, I'm old. That's the first thing I thought. You know what else they did? They were all required by law to wear bike helmets their whole lives. I remember not having to ride a, with a bike helmet, and that might be part of the reason why I am the way I am. But that, that's a, that there's, there's so many things we can look at. One of the other things that kind of blew me away, I'm not sure if any of you guys remember, if you ever pay with a credit card, that you, they, they pull that thing out from underneath the counter, and they slam it down, and they put that piece of paper, they would always wad up wrong, and they go, shunk, shunk, and they wouldn't do it right the first time, they have to do it again. The kids who graduated this year never experienced that. They've always had, always had a swiper. It just blew me away. I'm like, how did we get here? How do we get to this point? As we look at it, I also ask this question. As I look back, is this really where I thought we would be? As a kid, and I saw everything in the way it was, was this really the way I thought it would be? Is this where you thought future would be at? As you grew up and you looked further into it, is this what you thought it would be? Because actually, George Clooney starts out the movie, and his opening monologue says, when I was a kid, the future was different. And I thought, how, how real is that? How real is it the fact that our future was different? Because as we look around and we see all of these things, is this where we thought it would be? We could ask that in a positive question, or we could ask that as a, as a negative question. Because think about this. As we look around and we see a world that we live in, we have violence, we have kids yelling no, we have wars, we have the environment... We have all kinds of things that are, that are going on that are just, 
you know, kind of makes you go, man, what in the world's going on out here? What is taking place? We look at debt. We look at problems at home. We look at problems at work. We look at problems in marriages. We look at all of these things that are taking place. And we say, is this really the future that we expected? Families are falling apart. People are becoming more disrespectful towards each other. And we look at the future, and we even feel for the future of what's going to happen. If you have kids, you say, man, I feel for them. I feel for the world they're going to have to grow up in. Because for when I was a kid, the future was bright. But now as we're, these kids are growing up, future isn't quite as bright. It doesn't have all of that going on. And we look at it and we see, you know, I was, the future was different when I was a kid. And we look around and we can see doom and gloom. We can see problems for the world. We can see problems for Christianity. We can see so much. But there, there's a segment of the movie where the girl's going from class to class. And as she goes from class to class, they're talking about the doom and they're talking about the gloom and they're talking about the world problems. They're talking about all the things that are taking place with, in the environment or wars going on or, or religions fighting each other, all of these things. And the whole time she's got her hand up and she's waving it around and as she waves it around, nobody's calling on her until the very last scene. Finally, the teacher calls her and he, she, he says, she says this question. How can we fix it? How can we fix it? And the teacher actually had kind of a dumbfounded look on his face, and the bell rang, and everybody left. And that was the question that was left out there for the movie. We see the future. We see what's out there, but how can we fix it? Because we can talk about how bad everything looks, or we can talk about how bad everything is going to be, but how do we fix it? And honestly, the Bible has an answer to that question. Stephen, here it is. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, if you have your Bibles with you, I would love for you to open up to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 7 and go through 10. We're actually going to jump back a little back, back and forth in Galatians because Galatians was written as a letter, to be written as a whole, or read as a whole. And as we look at it, we can't just pick pieces out. We're going to kind of bounce. But start out in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7. And as you open there, I'm going to pray. Father, we are so thankful for who you are. We're thankful for what you do. We're thankful for your word and its encouragement to us. And as we look and see what your word has to say to us, I pray, Lord, that it is not me, but it is you. It is not my words, but yours, that go from here to challenge each and every one of us in this room on how we can affect our very futures. We pray it in your name. Amen. Chapter 6 of Galatians, verse 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We will reap what we sow. We will reap what we sow. This teaching isn't only held and taught by Christians. It is, it is a fact that everybody knows. Everybody who's a farmer, everybody who's a gardener, everybody who's walked into the garden department at Walmart or Lowe's understands that you will reap what you sow. Whatever you plant is what you're supposed to get out of the deal. You, um, in your life, it's no different than it is in any garden. Whatever we plant is what we're going to sow out of it. Paul says it. Other religions say it. They may call it something like karma. In the movie, they actually quote an old Cherokee Indian proverb about two wolves. And as they're talking about the two wolves, there's one wolf of hope and there's one wolf of despair. And in the wolf of hope and the wolf of despair, they're always fighting each other in our lives. And as they're fighting each other, one is going to grow stronger and begin to defeat the other. And the one that's going to grow stronger and win is the one that you 
feed? Are you feeding hope or are you feeding despair? What you plant is what you're going to reap. It's what the harvest is going to be. What you plant, what you feed is what's going to come out in the end. And the crazy thing is, as the rest of us in this room, the rest of the world understands this proverb, for some reason, we only understand it from here looking back instead of here looking forward. Because when we're here looking back, we can say, well, that person obviously got himself in trouble by doing this, 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 and this, and those things all added up to here. But we forget that what we do today will affect the rest of our lives. Will affect those that are around us. All of these things take place. D.L. Moody, he was an evangelist back in the late 1800s. He said this, the future will be the harvest of the present. The future will be the harvest of the present. Every choice has a consequence. My kids and I talk about this all the time. You make good choices, the pretty good chance you're going to have good consequences. You make bad choices, I'm pretty sure you're going to have bad consequences. That's just the reality of the matter. It's not even new to the movies. In a couple of weeks, actually, well, yeah, August 22nd, 23rd, we're doing an I Love the 80s weekend. We were actually talking this morning that we should actually do transparencies. If you grew up in the 80s and went to summer camp, we should do transparencies instead of stuff off on the wall. But, the, uh, you know, we're going to have this I Love the 80s weekend, and one of the things that was great about the 80s was a movie called Back to the Future. Back to the Future. And we were, gonna, we were looking at that, and, and wasn't that all about he went back in time he made a change and it affected the entire future. One small thing and changed the entire future. I mean, when we think about that, isn't that the truth of it? If you aren't that old and you're thinking, man, that's a really old movie, how about the Lorax? You ever seen Lorax? Read the Lorax? You read that, you see the choices that are made here affect the future. I'll give out this last box of candy. There's another one that came from the 80s. That as you... As you think about how quickly we go through life and we forget about the, even the little decisions, that we can look back and say, oh, how did I get here? And we can look and see it. I'll read the quote. You tell me which, one, uh, which movie it's from. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Did you know? Did you know that came out 30 years ago yesterday? I got to thinking about that. Now, I know a lot of you just went, wow, that's let me tell you something. When I was a kid, my parents allowed me and my little sister to go watch that movie at the theater. I'm 39 years old. My sister's 36. That meant, means they sent a nine-year-old and a six-year-old in to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off in the theater. We reap what we sow. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we see so many different movies tell us things. We see books tell us things. We see art tell us things. And the news is always telling us things. But let's take once again a look at what Galatians has to say. We're going to read that passage again, starting in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows in his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are in the household of faith. See, the short of this verse is, and these verses are, is the fact that God created a principle. He created a truth that what we plant is what we're going to reap. If it is a seed of corn, you are going to get corn. You know, it's not like I would ever walk into a farmer's market of some sort or some sort of co-op and all the farmers just come in from planting the fields and I walked up and said, hey, Bill, how you doing today? Oh, we're doing good. And I said, what'd you plant? 
well, we planted corn. I said, well, in, in fall, what do you plan on reaping? Because I would sound like a total idiot. Because everybody would be like, well, I planted corn. What do you expect me to get? And isn't that the truth in our lives? That somehow, some way, we look at what we plant and say, well, I'm just hoping I'm going to get something different in the end. There's an old saying that actually says, sow wild oats all week long and on Sunday pray for crop failure. We, we have this idea thinking that I can do whatever I want and not be affected by it. And we look at it and we say, you know, if I want to change, if I want to change the future, it's got to happen now. It, it happens with what I'm planting. There's no way to work around it. There's no way to outmaneuver it. God has placed this truth in our lives. It's a truth that happens in the garden, and it's a truth that happens in our lives. If we want to change the future, we have to do it now. So as I read these, this passage, I, I see some things that really stood out to me. And I've already mentioned this one already a handful of times, but I'm going to mention it one more time. One of the big principles is, is that we reap what we sow. We, we reap what we sow. If we sow corn, we're going to reap corn. If we sow tomatoes, we're going to get tomatoes. If we sow cucumbers, you are not going to come out with broccoli. That would be a bad thing anyway. And, and we look at the things in our life and we say, how could it possibly be different for us? If we sow peace and patience in our lives into others' lives, guess what we're going to reap in return? Peace and patience. But if we're yelling and angry and all that, guess what we're going to get in return? Yelling and anger. It's just the reality of the matter. And if we want to see our lives change, if we want to see change in our lives, we can't start by trying to reap a different harvest. We need to start by sowing a different seed. And that starts today. That starts today. That's how we change the future. Sometimes we get so focused on a different harvest and wanting to see results take place, but what are we doing in order to make that happen? As we look at our church, and I look around and I see hardly any seats empty, which is an amazing thing. We have a future ahead of us as a church. What do we do next? And we sat as a leadership team this week, and we talked about that. Do we go to two services on Sunday morning? Do we encourage people to go to Saturday night? Do we grow to a point where we plant another church? And we say, we're going to send some of you out, and this is going to be a way that we go either through small groups or through um, even a ministry that, that Jerome and I were talking about, starting a bar ministry. And I know some of you just went, what? What? Yeah, um, th there's a reality that people in bars need Jesus too. And, and as we look at that, and as we talked about it, uh, Jerome has the opportunity in his band to be able to play, and he's made relationships with, with some different bar owners. And if on a Saturday morning, there's people that, that were hanging out on Friday night that lives are just a wreck. And for whatever reason, bars seem to be more like churches than churches seem to be like churches, where people can be open, and they can be honest, and they can pour out their feelings, and they can share with each other. That doesn't seem to happen in churches enough. And say, let's move those people to a Saturday morning. That somehow you make a, a, a friendship with a, a guy, a bartender of some sort that says, hey, why don't you encourage these guys to come on Saturday morning where we can have an actual Bible study and kind of walk them through some of the struggles they have. What are we going to do? What's our future look like? And as a matter of fact, our, our thing on, on Thursday night, our leadership team meeting came and said, we need to have a futures team to plan what's going to happen next. Because if we don't start planning now, we're just going to keep doing the same thing. And while this is good, God has something greater for us. He wants to begin planting seeds that will reap a harvest. They will reap a harvest. And so we have to be thinking about that as we look forward. Look what it says in verse 8. For the one who sows in his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows in the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean 
to reap in the Spirit, or I mean to sow in the Spirit to be able to reap that in return? What does that mean? I think you almost have to go back to Galatians chapter 5. Like I said, Galatians was a letter that was written that some guy stood up and he read it to the entire crowd and everybody went, oh, okay, we're going to do that. Instead of breaking down each word and those kind of things, they they just listened and they did. And as they heard this being read to their church, this was what was read before he said, you're going to reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. Kind of sounds like an old Cherokee proverb a little bit to me there, doesn't it? The hope and despair thing. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, how do we get fruit? By planting seeds. We plant seeds, grows up into trees, those trees grow up, and we get fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, which is passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. What does it mean to sow in the Spirit? I think we have to go back and we have to take a look at where it begins by the fruit of the Spirit. That love, that joy, that peace, that patience, the gentleness, the self-control. Each one of those things that come out of that. How is that fruit produced? It's by sowing seeds of love, of joy, of peace, of patience. It begins to grow, and as it begins to grow, it becomes evident in our lives, it becomes evident in others' lives, and we see these things come together, and as we recognize that, we're going to recognize that someday, as we plant now, we'll see a harvest take place. So first, we reap what we sow. The second thing is, is we reap more than we sow. We reap more than we sow. I've read that sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. We reap more than we sow. There's a thing called the multiplication effect. If I plant an orange seed, and that orange seed grows into an orange tree, and now I've always skipped that step. I've just gone to Lowe's and bought the orange tree. But in that, somebody planted that seed, and that tree grew up. And I plant that tree in the ground, and I continue to water it, and I continue to do that thing, and it begins to produce oranges. What's inside of those oranges? Seeds. More seeds. So one seed has multiplied into many seeds because each orange has many seeds. Each tree has many oranges. And also, each tree has many seasons of oranges. So the one seed we plant can multiply. It will multiply. And that multiplication effect is actually talked about by Jesus as he talks about sowing seeds in Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. It says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and another 30. It's going to multiply. The seeds that we plant in our life, the seeds that we plant in others' lives. You know, I just was in the back before we got started. Those rooms are full of amazing kids. And when I say full, I mean full. 
I took pictures going, we got to figure something out because those are full. And they're having a great time back there. And I'm so grateful for the teachers that take time to invest in the nursery and take time to invest in the preschool and take time when we have our kids things in the afternoons that they do invest in those kids. Because some of us in here, we're not gifted in that area. And we have a hard time investing. But God has called some to be able to invest and be able to pour into. And we need more. As a matter of fact, the summer's coming. And if you're not serving in that area and you want to, please talk to me or talk to Lori Lauer. Because these kids, as we invested them, I'm telling you, they're going to have a turnout of a hundredfold. And some 60 and some 30. You know the people who invested in me in junior high? I can tell you their names, Scott and Kathy Zener. They were my junior high youth workers. I was an idiot in junior high. Not a whole lot has changed, but I've, I've, I was obnoxious. I was arrogant. I was, I was a junior higher. That's pretty much what it boils down to. But I, I don't know how in the world they put up with me and all of my friends. And my guess is, as they put up with me and all of my friends, they weren't thinking, someday he's going to be a pastor. They're thinking, I'm thinking, someday he's going to live. Hopefully. You know, th- that's, that's the thinking in it all. And as I look at that, I say, I am so glad they invested in me. And I'm so glad that people invested in me along the way in high school. And men mentored me and challenged me as a pastor. Every Friday morning, I met with a guy by the name of Wally Solom who always challenged me as a pastor and challenged me what I was doing and how I was going through it. He changed who I was by planting seeds. And I'm hoping those seeds continue to multiply. The thing is, it's not only do good seeds multiply, but bad seeds multiply. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7 says, For they sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. They sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Would you say that when you watch the news, we're in the middle of a whirlwind? When you see what's going on in our community, that we're in the middle of a big mess, how did it get there? We reap what we sow. And not only do we reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow. First was that multiplication effect. Second is actually an accumulation effect. Because what we sow in our daily choices accumulate over time, and they're actually reaped in our character. Our conduct and choices, they shape our character. They shape who we are. And Romans actually 6.19 tells us that, that righteousness, which is our conduct, leads to holiness, which is our character. As we walk in righteousness with Christ and allow him to shape us, it shapes our character. Holiness of character is really developed one choice at a time. How many choices have we made that we can say are set apart? Holiness. Are, are, are going in that direction to point us in that way. Are following Christ in that area. The thing is, is that our character can also come from from the choices that we make. Because over time, our choices bend our character to that direction. You know, it it may be difficult up front to make a choice, whether a good choice or a bad choice, but eventually it just kind of becomes habit. And that's good choices and bad choices. Sometimes when we make a good choice, we're worried about what everybody else is going to think, but eventually that just becomes who we are. And if we make bad choices, we're worried about what everybody else is going to think, but eventually that just becomes who we are. And we have to be very careful with that as that all comes out. As Christians, we have the ability, because of the power of Christ, to be set free from the the power that sin has over us. 
to be broken from that. Because even though sin is still present in our lives, we're not slaves to it. Even though anger is still present in our lives, we're not slaves to it. We are slaves to Christ. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing to hold on to. Because obedience to the Lord doesn't come in one giant step, but it comes in a lot of small seeds, a lot of things that are planted, and we begin to harvest, and we see the good news of the gospel in it all. That even along the way, as we hit speed bumps, as we fail, that God's record, he's, he's reconciling us. We are reconciled to him through his son, Jesus. We don't have to wallow in our condemnation. We don't have to feel bad for ourselves. We can say, yep, I slipped up, but now we move on. And we get that opportunity because of Jesus Christ. What we sow in our daily choices is also reaped in the lives around us too. See, every one of us, has an influence and effect on people. Like I said, I have people that poured into my lives and planted those seeds, and those seeds are beginning to multiply. Who's pouring into your life? Who are you pouring into? We talked about discipleship a few weeks ago. We leave footprints along the way. Do you know on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong was the first man to walk on the moon. And he stepped onto the surface, and you guys probably have heard the, the words, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And as we see that and we see that take place, did you know that while that happened over 45 years ago, that footprint is still there? The footprints that he initially walked are still there, according to NASA. Because in it, we see the fact there isn't any water or erosion or animals or wind that's destroying that or disturbing that. That is going to be there until the moon is gone. And when you think about that, the things that we do in our lives and the way that we plant seeds in people's lives are like that footstep. They will last, even possibly, in eternity. That will make an impact to change on everything. Isn't that true in your life? That somebody may have said or may have done something positive to you that has changed your entire life and there's maybe somebody who has said one thing negative to you that has changed your entire life and left a footprint? We reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow. And the third one is we reap in a different season than we sow. We reap in a different season. When a person sows, whether it be the spirit or the flesh, whether it be good choices or bad choices, the consequences aren't always immediate. Just like when I plant a seed for an orange tree, I'm not expecting oranges tomorrow. But eventually it's going to come. And eventually it's going to happen. And the problem with that delay between sowing and reaping, a lot of times in our fleshly minds, in our worldly minds, we think, well, nothing is coming of it, so it doesn't really matter. It's going to be okay. And we see that in all the decisions that have been made, all the ones that are going to the Supreme Court. We see all these decisions that are made. And, you know, when Roe v. Wade came out, it was just, well, it's a woman's right to choose. We didn't think that how many years later there'd be 60 million babies killed. That wasn't the thinking involved in it all. We didn't see what was going to happen. And we look at those kind of things and we think, we're going to reap in a different season. But as we look at that from the negative, we can also look at that from the positive. Because Paul tells that church in his letter to the Galatians, he says, don't grow weary of doing good. Because someday, someday soon, you're going to reap a harvest. And what's that harvest if we're continuing to do good? 
He says, do good as you have the opportunity, just to do good. God calls us to do good, not just be good, but to do good. We will reap what we sow. Now, as we look at this and as we hear about this, maybe some things have gone into your mind. You're thinking, oh, there's some seeds in my life that I have sown that I don't really want to expect or see the harvest. I don't want to have, be a part of everything that's going on. We've sown to the flesh, and we, a message like this could, could actually paralyze us with fear about what could possibly come and what's going to come. But I, I want you to see it this way instead, that the sovereignty of God has forgiven you of that. Now, it's not an excuse to be disobedient, but it does give us hope. It gives us hope to say there is a future, that it starts now. No matter what seeds we plant in the past, sure, we're going to have the consequences. Sure, we're going to reap that harvest, but it starts today. Not to say, well, I'm just going to keep going down that. As a matter of fact, in the movie, Hugh Laurie, uh, who played uh, in the movie or the TV show House, he has a monologue, and he's kind of the bad guy. I wouldn't call him the bad guy, but he's kind of the bad guy in the movie. And he has a monologue towards the end, and he's talking to the good guys. And in the process of talking to him, he basically says this. He says, you know, we've shown you everything that's getting ready to happen. We know what the future holds. We see where it's headed. And he said, we showed you all of that, but instead of doing something to change it, you embraced it. You embraced it and you wallowed in it and you held on to it. And instead of actually doing something about it, you just went along as if life's going to end anyway. When Jesus died on the cross, he changed our future. And some people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in those things. I don't, I don't believe in a God. And I've talked to guys who, who don't. I've talked to women who don't believe in, in a God. And they say, this is as good as it's going to get. And that's a sad reality for people. They think this is as good as it's going to get. All the things you see on the news, all the things you hear going on, all the little stuff that takes place in life, that this is it. But let me tell you something, there's so much better out there. Because Jesus Christ came and he died for us, for me, for you, for everyone. And as we think about that, as we look at that, we have to understand that, that Jesus came to bear the sins that we have, to, to take on the, the seeds that we have sown basically, all of the, the things that are out there to take on so that we don't have to carry that around, so we can look at a future of hope and not a future of despair, that we can chase after what God has for us and, and sow in the Spirit and not in the flesh. But it's about us opening our hearts and opening our minds and allowing Him to be the Lord of our lives. It's about us changing our mindsets, it's about all of those things. And so as we look at this, as we look at this verse, as we look at this passage that Paul writes, what are we going to do with it? Where are we going to go? Are we just going to wallow in it and say, well, I made bad choices and now I, that's it. I, my life is it. Are we going to say, I've made bad choices, but God has forgiven me and today I begin to plant seeds that are going to reap a harvest that is good. It's your call. It's not my call. And it's a daily call. Daily, every little decision we make throughout the day adds up, it accumulates, it multiplies. So what are you going to do with it? That's the question I have for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the hope that we have in him. And God, first and foremost, I pray for anybody in this room that doesn't know that hope, that's never experienced that hope, that, that hasn't surrendered their life to you, that's continuing to walk in the flesh, continuing to think that if I just keep doing this, it'll eventually get better. 
But God, we know what we plant is what we're going to harvest. And I pray for those who are planting in the flesh. Because Galatians is very clear that we're only going to harvest corruption. But instead, God, I would challenge. I challenge the hearts and the minds in here, as hopefully you already have, to plant in the Spirit, to sow love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control in their own life and in others. And that, God, we see that begin to change us. And as it changes us, we're able to go out and change the world and see that seed spread and see that seed spread throughout our community that so desperately needs to know you and see the change that takes place in our lives. While this world is not our home, it's where you've placed us to make a difference. God, I pray we do that today. Pray it in your name. Amen.